Welcome to Destiny Revival Ministries Sermon of the Week. Thank you for joining us. You can stay up to date through our social media or give from the link in the details. We hope this message blesses you. Amen. I want to uh, say that's of great importance to us because, you know, the experiential is not the establishing. The Word of God establishes. Somebody say, the Word establishes. All right, we can have experiences, but in the trials of life, you cannot, you, you, can, you can remind yourself of the goodness of God. You can remind yourself of the experiential, but you know, you, the experiential will not necessarily carry you through your storm. It's what's on the inside of you. And more than just what's on the inside of you, it's the revelation. It's not just theology. It's not just... Um, it's not just word that we just open up, you know, how many of you, and I love those, and those are great and it's powerful. Um, you know, you, we used to have those little, I think I actually even have a set of them, looks like a, a little pack of cards and then you just pull it out and there's a proverb on it and how many of you, or else there was the little ones that look like, you know, when you go eat at a Chinese restaurant, they've got those little cookies and they've got the little expressions and sayings in them and whatever, but we had those in the form of Proverbs. Some of them were little cards. I've got a nice set of those. And of course that is, just remember, the Word of God will always work. Somebody say the Word word. always works. The rain rains on the just and the unjust. The principles of the Word of God will work for everybody. All right, that doesn't mean they have revelation because there's principles that work for the unbeliever. That doesn't mean they have the revelation of who Jesus is and they're walking in salvation, amen? amen. So, so it's, you know, they have principles, but they don't have, you can have principles, but you might not have revelation. And principles will work, you know, like, uh, just like the law of gravity, whatever you throw up must come down. What, must, what goes up must come down, amen? And so just the way those same things work, there are laws that are at work is the same way the Word of God will work for us. I want to talk today quickly just about the subject of faith. Somebody say faith. Faith. Now, I want to talk about the centrality of the purpose of faith. Somebody say the purpose of faith. All right, so... um, we can all understand that an unbeliever can have faith for something, right? So is that, is that the purpose that faith was created for? No, I mean, ultimately faith will work with people because sometimes you can just say, I just, I believe, you know, so I, I know secular people. I've been around a lot of secular people and, and they'll come and they'll use language and, you know, because they, you know, they're around some positive circles and, and they get around these, by the way, most of this motivational stuff out there, um, which, which is all governed in principles. Most of that, that stuff is rooted and founded in the Word of God in the first place. It's all like most of they like they, somebody sat down and stole all of David's Proverbs. Are you with me? And the wisdom of David, the wisdom of Solomon. And so they apply these principles and it works for them. But, but I'm talking about the purpose of faith the intention of faith. I'm not talking about the shallowness of faith. Now, there are, or, or let me just put it this way. Somebody say primary faith. Primary. And then somebody say secondary faith. Secondary. What, it's, it's the same faith, but we're making one the purpose and the other the overflow of what we can get to do with faith. The one that I've just touched on the most is basically what we can do with faith. Whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, faith will work. Come on, somebody. All right. That's not news for us this morning. However, I would call that secondary faith. I want to talk about the purpose of faith. I want to talk about primary faith. I want to talk about the purpose of faith here this morning. And while this is not written down in my notes, I want to go ahead and say this. I'm going to try and get through this as quickly as possible. Um, And I've got a lot here. So just please, whatever you do, have an open ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to you this morning. Uh, The Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes, I believe it's the third chapter, that, uh, you know, for everything there is a season, for everything there is a time, there's a season for this, there's a season for that. But then it continues to say something really powerful. 
It talks about, uh, you know, pertaining to the intentions of God because God saw everything in the future from the beginning and God is requiring that which has already been now. Are you with me? Okay, so that's kind of like a mind twister, if you will. God's already, and God is requiring an account of what has already passed. Well, the past that he's talking about is your future. God is requiring of us an account of what is already past. All right, so what I'm trying to say is that God has set eternity in the hearts of men, unbeliever or believer. I don't care who you are in this room here, God has put eternity in the hearts of men. That is why people are longing for something deeper than what they know. They're looking and and a lot of it is, we've heard the expression, we go looking for love in all the wrong places. Where there is an invisible um, spiritual dynamic that God has created. Why? Because unlike every other species out there, we have a spirit. Are you with me? And attached to that, obviously we're not getting into the details of this because I don't want to deviate, but we have the, the spirit of man, you know, that you're made up of three parts, spirit, soul and body. Come on, the soul is the mind, the will and the emotions. We live in a body, we have a spirit and we have a soul. And, and there's all of those dynamics there, but God has put something, um, something there's, a, there's an invisible. And, and while you may never have heard the Gospel uh, or some of you have heard the Gospel, and, and, and I'm telling you right now, uh, we, we, we just sat and had had the most amazing testimony, but I'm not going to get ahead of my time because we're going to have that shared of how God can come and visit you. Even if you are what you would call an agnostic, an atheist or somebody that never believed in God and, and then all of a sudden, you know, whatever's happening in your life brings you to this place where you're, where you're saying, God, I need to know if you're real and then God visits you because He's faithful. And He comes to you in that moment of that eternity that is already in your heart that He put in the beginning in all of us. That now finally the moment of collision takes place. You see, God put faith and, and that's something, that eternity is a faith for something more that there is, a, there is whether we like to accept it or not, there is something that's driving us and, 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 and for, for something that's more than just what's available that the eye can see. Amen. So God's put our faith for something inside of every human being. And the primary faith that I'm talking about here today is the purpose of Jesus Christ. The primary faith that I'm talking about is that when God set eternity in all of our hearts, that His desire and His intention that He knew the end from the beginning, that His intention was at some point in our lives that upon the proclamation of the hearing of the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the eternity that He set in men's hearts, when they would hear it, would respond to the good news and come into that knowledge and that salvation of the provision He made so richly in the form of His Son on the cross for us, so I'm saying that is primary faith because there is no other, there is no greater purpose, there is no greater intentionality in this thing called faith given to us by God that He set in every human's heart. There is no greater purpose than the purpose of you being reconciled to Him. The purpose of that faith, the primary purpose of faith is that when the Gospel came and you heard it, that you would be able to be reconciled to the Father. Now, I don't care who you are in the room here today, but I'm gonna tell you, you cannot argue that point that the greatest depth of the purpose of faith is that we be reconciled to God. Amen? Everything else we layer upon. Everything else we build the foundation on. Everything else and what comes after is important. And we've become, we we have a good understanding of the necessity of that primary faith. All right, then I've spoken about the other side of that is now that faith 
that was designed for you to be reconciled, the other side of the coin of that faith is now, okay, so now you have received, <laughs> you have received the same spirit of reconciliation that now you become as one who will reconcile men to the Father that you get them reconciled to. So now you've found purpose. Amen? Come on, just stick with me here. So I'm not even dealing with faithful stuff here. Because, and I'm not, and I'm not saying it's not important. It's, it's important. We need to know how to appropriate our faith in believing God for stuff. It's a large part of, of, of a learning process for us who have now encountered primary faith that we learn how to function in secondary faith. Amen. Come on, are you with me? It's not just faith was not the the intentionality as important as the intentionality of that primary faith is, but there's the secondary faith that I'm talking about. Are you with me? Okay, so let's go to the word. I want to go through this here really quickly. It says in the book of Ephesians, if you have your Bibles in Ephesians 2, verse 8. Uh you can, you can write this down while you're going there. Um, the word faith is the Greek word, and I wanna get so theologically high and mighty here on you this morning. It's simply the word, the Greek word there is the word pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S, which simply means the conviction that God exists and that He is the creator and ruler of all things, the provider and the bestower of eternal salvation through Christ. That is what faith means. It is the conviction that God exists. And God has put the, that eternity, whether we believe it or not, we unknowingly to us, without sitting in a church, there has been a deep desire in the heart of every human being looking for something, although they might not be able to put their finger on what that is. And if you did happen to come to church, well, guess what? The sum total of everything going on in your life by divine orchestration, whether you like to hear it or not, the finger of God has finally brought you to the place so that you can fulfil that void on the inside of you that you have not known about, that now finally you're coming and it's gonna connect and you go, ah, this is what. So God Himself who put that in you from the beginning is now reaching out to you so that you can respond to Him with the fact that He wants you to come into a relationship with Him. Oh, hallelujah. He loves us that much. He loves us that much, but He will will never force us into anything. God will never force us into anything. He will bring you to that place. He wants you to hear the gospel so that that faith, that eternity inside of you responds and goes, yes. He's waiting for you to come and say, yes, I accept what, I believe that you've done this for me. Amen. It says here, for great by grace you have been saved through faith. Through what? Pistis. What does pistis mean? The conviction that God, by, by grace you have been saved through the conviction that God exists and is the creator and ruler of all things. Amen. By grace you have been saved because you believed in His existence. How did you come to believe in His existence? Because the good news compels you to say, my goodness, and now you are responding to Him. By grace, through faith, and faith is also the person of Jesus Christ. Come on. You've been saved by grace through faith and not of yourselves, for it is the gift of God. Hallelujah. Come on, none of you had the power to save yourself. It is the gift of God. It is the gift of God. You've been saved by grace through faith. Grace has saved you by believing in Him. And because you believed in Him, you received the grace and the gift of being reconciled and that you become a part of the family of God. Come on. 
The New Living Translation in the same verse says, God saved you by His grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. We cannot boast. We cannot take credit for it for it is the gift of God. Somebody say salvation Salvation. is a gift. Could you imagine that God who set eternity in all of our hearts set us up so that we could be gifted with it? So that when we would hear His intention from the time He put us and gave us breath so that He would be able to say, hey, I've got a gift for you that, I've, that you, you didn't know it, but you've been waiting on this gift all along and here you are, you're hearing it and you say, here, take this gift that I've given to you. Hallelujah. So you cannot receive grace without faith. Anybody in the room? So, or you can say this, without believing in Jesus or having faith in Him, you cannot receive the gift of His grace. Come on. All right. So we're not preaching the doctrine of universalism here. We are preaching that all men must go through the cross in order to have salvation. Jesus Himself in His own words said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And I'm gonna say a few things here and this should not, and it, it amazes me, this should not offend us. But I'm gonna say it anyway. Muhammad is dead. Buddha is dead. All of Confucius is dead, but Jesus is alive. Let me just say this. The only place in the world that is visited by the most tourists on the planet, the only place that humanity visits a one location in this world and it is the most visited site in the world is to go and see a place where the tomb is empty. Historically proven. Jesus is alive. He came to the earth. He existed as a man. He died and He rose on the third day. And nobody, in fact, the greatest legal attorney called Lionel Laku. Sorry, I don't know why I'm actually going here, but I'm going here. One of the most powerful, who's won the most Guinness, he's got the Guinness Book of Records for winning the most murder acquittals, acquittals in a row, knighted by the Queen of England, went out on a desper, in desperation to prove that Jesus was not the Son of God, ended up in his conquest, becoming radically born again and saved because he found irrefutable proof that Jesus is alive. He existed as a man. He came down to the earth. He rose from the dead and He received salvation. I'm not saying that to impress you. I'm, trying, I'm saying that, that we can argue all that we want. The others are all dead, but He's alive. <laughs> Come on. Romans 5 verse 17 here quickly. I'm gonna kind of probably scurry through this a little bit here. It says here, for if by one man's offence, death reigned through one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one Christ Jesus. Romans 5, 18, the next verse. Therefore, as through one man's offence, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act. Who's the one man here? It's talking about Jesus, the second Adam. And not only do we call Him, He's not just the second Adam, He is the final Adam. What does that mean? Is that He came, when we call Jesus the Adam here, just to give you context for context for, for some of you that don't understand that language, Adam, we all know Adam in the garden, right? Jesus becomes the Adam that undid what the first Adam did. But He's the second Adam, but the final Adam. There will be never, because Jesus perfectly fulfilled the will of the Father so that we could be reconciled just like Adam was in the garden to have an uninterrupted fellowship with Him. Amen. 
Come on, somebody say uninterrupted fellowship. Adam had uninterrupted fellowship with God. At no point in time, at any point in time that God would communicate and visit with Adam, was Adam ever not able to hear God? It was uninterrupted fellowship. The only thing that hinders here now that we are reconciled to the Father um, and, and, and the purpose of faith has come and, 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 and we have been reconciled, we are children of God. The only thing that hinders that in, or interrupts that is the fact that we need, to be renew, we, we need to have our minds renewed because we're dealing with the voice of guilt. We're dealing with the voice of shame. We're dealing with the voice of condemnation. We're dealing with so much things. We believe in the lies that have exalted themselves in the form of strongholds in our own heads, thereby cutting ourselves off from that uninterrupted fellowship. God has not stopped or ceased from wanting to have relationship with you or to have, or to have that constant communion with you. Not for one moment. So we need, to, we need to break down the altars of those things that have exalted themselves as a high place that you cut yourself off from fellowship with you. Listen, that's why, oh, come on, listen to me. That's why when God spoke in the garden and He said, Adam, where are you? God's communication never severed. Oh, come on, you didn't hear me. God's communication never severed. Adam hid himself from God's communication. And now that you are in Christ, if we are having a struggle with our fellowship with God, it's not that God is still saying, come on, Nancy, where are you? Noel, where are you? Byron, where are you? He has never cut himself off from you. You have cut yourself off from his voice. He's in you, you are his child and you are cutting yourself off because you have set up high places in your mind. You have disqualified yourself from that relationship with him. He's still in that relationship with you. He's still calling out your name and he's saying, would you be free from every voice of accusation that told you that we cannot communicate here. I'm with you. In fact, so much so that He says, you can come, you can, you are, you can come boldly to the throne room of grace so that you can find help and mercy in a time of need. And the key to living in that zone of uninterrupted fellowship is not focusing on your shortcomings because you focusing on your shortcomings is beginning to put you in a position where you are trying to rectify your shortcomings because you believe that if you don't deal with them, there's gonna be this problem of uninterrupted fellowship. And now you've gone over into the place of trying to deal with your circumstances without the help of God. You've cut yourself off from the voice of God. You've cut yourself or from the Spirit of grace. In other words, what grace was designed to do in you and empower you to help you to be free, you've cut yourself off from what grace was designed to do because now you're trying to earn and merit everything from God in your own strength. And in the meantime, just like the Father in the garden, Adam, where are you? He's saying the same thing. Where are you? Oh God, but, but I can't come before you. You don't understand. Come on, this is the voice of the accuser, the voice of disqualification. Listen, you are not qualified here because of your goodness. You are only qualified for one reason and that is because of His goodness. You are not qualified because of your righteousness and everything that you can muster up. You are only qualified because of His righteousness. And God never communicates with you on the basis of how good you are. And if it was all based on how good we were, then we would not need Jesus. We would just 
the law would have just been the thing that we would have just kept going and we would have just taken an animal and we would have sacrificed it and then and then and then and then and then just lived under that, that if that could do the trick but it couldn't that's why Jesus needed to come I can only imagine what the early church looked like and I can understand the frustration of the Apostle Paul. Could you imagine for generations, for generations of, of coming yearly, bringing their animals to, walk to the priest, their, their perfect little lamb that the, the priest would have to inspect? Make sure that the lamb was good. You couldn't bring the priest some three-legged lamb or the worst lamb that you had so that you could sell the others off, you know, or the one-eyed lamb. You couldn't come and, I mean, no, come on. It's true. You you had to produce a perfect lamb and the priest would expect that lamb. And he would say, okay, that lamb's good. Okay, well now we're gonna, and, and what would happen is, by the way, if you wanna know, the book of Hebrews talks about the doctrines of laying on of hands. Part of the laying on of hands is talking about the ministry of the priest when they would bring the lamb. You're the priest, you're the lamb, and she's the Israelite. All right, she being the Israelite would bring you the lamb to the priest and you're a perfect lamb. I used, you know, because you don't look like a three-legged lamb. So I'm using you today. Thank God all your limbs are there and you're in functional order. Hallelujah. So she would bring, and, and David said, hallelujah, glory to God. So she, she would bring the lamb to the priest. Watch me now. And the, the priest, would take his hands, just go ahead just for this angle, and he would put his hands on the lamb and all this is representative. So, so they would do this yearly, by the way. And then of course there was little sacrifices here for other offences and the turtle doves and that dove and this dove and all of the above. And, and then, but this one in particular was, she would bring the lamb, the priest would examine the lamb. Is the lamb okay? Yeah. You sure? Perfect. Perfect lamb, hallelujah. So, so, so then he would lay hands, and, uh, or the Israelite, sorry, the Israelite, sorry, would lay hands on the head of the lamb. And what this is representing, the guilt and sin of the Israelite would be transferred to the innocent lamb and the innocence of the lamb would be transmitted to her and then he would take the sacrifice now who this lamb became her sin Is that a story that I've heard from somewhere before? So she would become her sin. The lamb would take on her guilt and she would become the innocence of that lamb. He would then take the lamb and have it sacrificed and the blood of that lamb would act as a covering for this child of God, like this. So when God communicated with this wonderful woman of God over here, He would always communicate with her on the basis of the blood that would act as a covering for her for an entire year. All right? All right. So Jesus, the Bible declares, became our spotless lamb. That's where the divine exchange came from. That He became our guilt and shame and we became His righteousness. The same way that she became innocent because of the lamb that was about to be sacrificed, the lamb became the sin. Are you with me? Oh, come on, somebody. I know I've said this to you before, but it never gets old. Jesus became the perfect Lamb of God for all of humanity. The same way He took our sins is the same way that He made us righteous. And the same way God would communicate with her through the blood, the same way God communicates with us now because Jesus became our righteousness for us. Oh, yeah, I know. Come on. I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm going quick here. How many of you are enjoying this? Amen. Come on. 
And that, by the way, is in, uh, if you want to find out, that's in Leviticus chapter 6, verse 6. It's, I call that the divine exchange where He took on all of our guilt and shame and then we took on all of His purity. We took on all of His holiness. We took on all of His sanctification. We took on all of His righteousness. Did we deserve it? No, we didn't. In fact, so here's the problem is that whether we deserved it or not, we would never, ever, 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 no matter what, ever be able to, uh, to ever deserve it. That's why Jesus had to come so that He could put us in a position because without the act of Jesus, we would never have ever been able to be reconciled to the Father. Amen. So without Jesus, there would have, no matter how good you, how much goodness you could have mustered up yourself, you would never have been able to be reconciled to God. You were never reconciled to God based on how good you were. Never. You were only reconciled because of what He did for you. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, that order just, come on. That order eliminate, that's got to eliminate some, you get free. Get free from self-righteousness. Get free from the voice of accusation. Get free from condemnation, guilt and shame. And God is calling out to you. Now, if we're feeling that way, just begin to say, Lord, I've messed up. Do you think He doesn't know? I've got all these disturbances going on on the inside of me and, and I've been the one trying to work it all out so that you know I can finally just be good enough so that you can communicate with me. You know, friend, if you're in that place here today, you are no better off than being under the law like the children of Israel. So Leviticus chapter 6, verse 6 and 7, it talks about the trespass offering, the example I just gave you over here. Romans 5, verse 19, as we continue, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Why does it say many will be made righteous? That means to them who believe the good news. What is the good news? Good news is not us carrying banners down the streets of Lafayette saying, you filthy, rotten sinner, you repent right now or you are going to hell. That's not the goodness of God. That's not the good news. The good news is going to them and saying, hey, Jesus died for you at the cross of Calvary. He loves you. He took all your guilt and all your shame upon His body. What do you mean he, he couldn't have? I'm alive now. No, no, no. <laughs> he forgave you at the cross. Before you even had the time to come to Him and say, sorry, He already forgave you. That's how good He is. He wasn't waiting He wasn't waiting on the cross because otherwise He would still be there shedding His blood, agonising on the cross for us, for every single person who would say, yes, I'm coming to you. Yes, I'm coming to you. No, He took all of humanity's sin once for all time, the book of Hebrews says. There's never going to be. Jesus is never coming down to the earth to go to a cross again. I don't know how I ended up here, but I'm here today. Romans, I'm going to end off with this here. I'm going to just kind of plug into this. Actually, I need 10 more minutes. Romans 10 verse 17 says here, so then faith comes by the hearing and hearing by the Word of God. All right. Now, I'm not splitting hairs, but I will tell you here, the, in, the New American Standard Bible in the same Scripture says, so faith comes and hearing, hearing by the Word of Christ. Well, what does that mean? One says hearing by the Word of God and the Word of Christ. We know Jesus, number one, if I just want to go ahead and say this, Jesus is the Word. 
He is the Word. Amen? In the beginning, when God said, let there be light, there's a description of the Father who speaks. And then He says, the Holy Spirit hovers across the waters, but the voice that proceeds out of the mouth of God is Christ Himself. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Are you with me? So faith comes by the hearing of the Word of God. But we don't, if we don't have the right comprehension, we'll just take that at face value. But to understand that faith comes by the hearing. What are we talking about? The the foundation of faith. Faith comes by the hearing and by the hearing of the Word of Christ. We are saved by grace through faith. We are saved by grace through believing in the Christ. And the reason I'm saying it's more appropriate to use the word Christ there is because we need to know why we're putting the word Christ there. And if we read, um, in fact, go with me quickly. I just don't want to take too much time here. Romans chapter 10. Um, Let's see. I just love having a physical Bible besides the fact that it feels so good in my hands. It's just... It says here, Romans chapter 10, let's read from verse 15. It says, How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. All right, good news. Good. What is the gospel called? Good news. So, all right, let's just understand. It's talking about something specific here. The good news that they're talking about is the person of Jesus who came to bring good news. That's who they're preaching. Who, who are we preaching here today? Jesus. So Christ, right? The Word of Christ. All right. Then the next verse says, However, they did not all heed the good news. What good news? The good news about Christ. Okay. For Isaiah says, Who has believed our report? And then verse 17 says, So faith comes from the hearing and from the hearing and from the hearing and from the hearing of the Word of Christ. Faith comes by the hearing and by the hearing and by the hearing of the Word of Christ. So we go, we land up at verse 17, says, so faith comes. Or I can, instead of using the word so, I can say, therefore faith comes by the hearing of the Word of Christ. Because the description that brings us to verse 17, for faith comes by the hearing of the Word of Christ. There, when it says faith comes by the hearing of that Word, What it's talking about is the verses before that talking about the good news. So the good news comes or Christ comes by, or faith comes by the hearing of what Jesus came to do for you. That's what the Bible says. And when we begin to take on this entire Scripture through the lens, of the gospel of good news. Faith comes through understanding Jesus and what He's come to do for you. So how do we now look at the Word? We examine all Scripture through the lens of Jesus. Come on, stick with me here. Now, when I read 2 Corinthians 3, verse 7 to you, but if the ministry of death written, had engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory. When I say if the ministry of death, I mean, because if we say faith comes by the hearing of the Word of God, if the ministry of death engraved on stones or the fact that somebody was hacked up in the old covenant and chucked up into pieces by the kings, I mean, how they dealt with people. I'm talking back in that day. Let me ask you, when I read about how some of these kings hacked some people up into chunks, I'm just sorry, I'm being graphic right now. Do you feel faith right suddenly? Okay, so you don't feel faith. So faith comes by the revelation of Jesus. Amen? 
We can have faith here, but if the ministry of death written engraved on stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which was, which was glory, whose glory was passing away, it was a temporary glory that would never be able to suffice. But then it says, how much more the ministry of the Spirit? In other words, how much not more the ministry of the Spirit that has been imputed to us because of Jesus, which is everlasting, never fading the way. The first had a fading glory. This is an eternal, never ending fading. How much more glorious is the covenant that you and I live, live in? How much more faith can you have than in the good news of what Jesus did for you? Friends, the way to holy living and righteous living, let me go ahead. Right believing produces right living. How much, how, how, do you, how do you live free from sin? How do, you, how do you live free from the things that torment or sometimes plague you? It, it's not in the trying to be free from them in your own strength. It's in, it's in the revelation of what He's done for you that your heart is totally enamoured that it, the desire of your heart begins to change and what you could never push away, the grace of God begins to empower you to walk free from. The power to be free. And it's coming from a desire. I don't, I don't want to do those things. I, I don't want to do those. I don't want to be involved with this. I don't want to be in this power, this grace that comes. Amen? Right. Amen. All right, I'm almost done. I promise. That's only five minutes of the 10 minutes I asked. <laughs> I'm going to jump ahead here. Let me just say this, the Bible says, uh, uh, Hebrews 11 verse 1, uh, you know that, that, that uh, faith is the substance. substance. Jesus is the substance of our faith. And what does faith mean? Pistis. What does pistis mean? To believe that He exists. To believe in His good news. To believe in everything He said about you. It says now, Faith is, what does that mean? Believing in His good news. Believing in Him and that He said He did what He would do. Believing in Him. And then you go all the way down to verse six and it says, now he who comes to God must believe that He is a rewarder and a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. You know, diligent seeking is actually being diligent about understanding that your faith is in the one who saved you from something you could never save yourself from, that you would continue to rest in the provision of what He saved you from and what He saved you for, that as long as you will always be diligent in being conscious about that it's about Him and not about you, then you position God to be the rewarder. In other words, now you will let the grace of God begin to go to work for you so that He can empower you to be free as a child of God. So what is, what is that? So he who comes to God must believe. So when you, let me ask you. So then now the question is, is God pleased? Because he got, it, 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 God is pleased with those who believe, right? The Bible says that there. So what does that look like? So if, 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 if we don't believe that, then we're gonna feel that God is not pleased. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't wink. God never winks down on us and go, hey, I saw what you did. I know what you did, it's all good. You know what I mean? That's not what I'm preaching. But God is pleased with you on account of you believing and trusting in the goodness of God through Christ. So when you wake up in the morning, when it says those who believe, let me ask you something. Is there a morning that you wake up going, man, I don't believe in Jesus anymore? 
I'm not trusting in anything He's done for me. Now, let me ask you something. How many of you have ever gone to bed at night and you woke up in the morning and or you went to bed the night before and you went to bed, you fell on the side of the bed on your knees like we have depictions of in, in Hollywood where the person's praying on the side of the bed, you know, with their arms folded, knees on the side of the bed and then you hear the following, dear baby Jesus. Or, or whoever's out there. Yeah. I thank you that when I wake up to, I don't know why I'm praying this, but I'm gonna pray this because I just, I'm, I'm afraid that when I wake up, the sun won't come up. How many of you have ever prayed for the sun to come up in the morning? <laughs> Only my son. <laughs> we need to talk. <laughs> so you don't pray for, why don't you pray for the sun to come up in the morning? But do you have faith that the sun's gonna come up? Is there like a, uh, I mean, we don't even have to reason with you on, on the fact that the sun's gonna come. I don't have to even convince you. You know the sun is gonna come up. And the same way when you wake up in the morning that you are in Him, you need to know that you are in Him. And because you are always leaning in on Him and that you understand that you are a child of God, when you wake up in the morning, the Father is pleased with you the same way that the sun will rise. Amen? Amen. Well, you don't understand. There's a lot I've got to do to... to yeah, could you come up? I want to just land the plane with this and I know there's going to be a comment on this right now and it's going to be good. Um, I, want, I, want to, I want to just finish by saying this. The book of James, and I'm not going to get into the details. Re- write this down. James chapter 2, verse 20, all the way to um, uh, verse uh, 26. James chapter 2, 20 through 26. How many of you all heard this? But don't you know, oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works? Do you not see that faith was working together with his works and, and by works he was made perfect? And the Scripture was fulfilled, which said Abraham believed God and it was counted him for righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, Rahab was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messages and sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is this, so faith without works is dead also. See, I'm telling you, there's a book of James and James says that faith without works is dead. How we can strive to want to work and use the Word of God as a weapon to keep people in law and legalism and bondage. Now, I'm not arguing with what the Scripture says here, but context, if you take the con, if you take the word, uh, if, you, if you have the word, what is it? If you take the word, there's an expression that talks about context. If you take the, the, the con, uh, if you take the, the text out of the, out of, in the wrong way, it's gonna leave you out of context and all you're gonna be, oh, that's what it is. If you take the word text out of con, you're gonna be left with a con. Now let's just go ahead and say this. We are justified by faith. Alone. But that's not what James says. I don't care. Listen to me first. Because I'm gonna bring the context here. We are justified by faith alone. Let me tell you, in Genesis chapter 15, Listen to me now. In Genesis chapter 15, God is speaking to Abram and He says to him in verse six, He says, and it was imputed to Abraham righteousness because he believed. He hadn't performed one work yet. He had performed no works. And it was imputed to him righteousness. He was righteous. I don't know how else we can slice and dice this. He was righteous because he believed, not because of what he did. The works that James is talking about is the evidence of your faith before men, but not before God. One of the evidence of your faith before men will be the fruit of salvation working in you before men. The fruit of what? That you have been justified by faith here. Yes. 
Oh, somebody. Genesis 22, and I think Genesis 22 comes after Genesis 15, right? Help me. Does anybody, can you do a little bit of math? Genesis 22, Abraham's works later were just the evidence before men of his faith and imputed righteousness in Genesis 15. He was already completely righteous before God. Isaac was just the evidence through works later on. It was the evidence or the outward working of the imputed righteousness that Abraham was. Abraham was already justified by faith already. The works were the evidence of it. Okay, now let me go ahead and shock you here. Rahab the harlot. How many of you know what a harlot is? Okay, we're not going to get discriminated. Mary goes. Like, I know what a harlot is. Rahab the harlot. Doesn't sound like a very Christian thing to do, right? Rahab the harlot. Read the book of Joshua chapter 2. She hides the spies. And they're trying, you know, she lies that she's hiding them. Then she goes to Joshua and she says now, verse eight says, now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, the land, the terror of you has fallen on us and all the inhabitants of the land are faint hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for when you came out of Egypt and, that you, and, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites and who, who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. As soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you and because of the Lord, your God. God, He is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. She had already heard and had faith in the God of the children of Israel before she ever hid the spies. She's not talking to somebody that didn't believe. If she didn't believe, she would never have hidden. And look what the Word says about her. And likewise, was not Rahab the harlot justified by works? Her hiding the spies was the evidence that she was made righteous. When was she made righteous? When she believed, when she heard the stories of how, when did that happen? Before she hid the spies. By the time the spies came, she had already, a long time before they even showed up, she had already believed in the God of Israel. So we are justified in the eyes of God by faith. The evidence of that comes once we put our... You see, we are not... We, 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 there is... Just make it... Get it in your head. You cannot be justified by your works. Your works will never, have never, ever been produced, able to produce righteousness or salvation inside of you. Amen. Ever. All by the faith of Jesus Christ. Well, what, what do you mean? I don't have, no, no, nobody said you didn't have to do anything. That's the problem is that put your faith in Him and let the desire of the one who has saved you from all of this apart from what you had on offer. Can you not see the mystery of the gospel and the glory of the power of the cross of Jesus is that He freed you of the impossibility from all of it so that you would be able to rest from any attempt to try and do it because it never saved you in the first place. If you would just rest from it and then lean in on Him, every desire to do anything from Him will come from your heart because of what He's done. It's never been about you saving yourself. You can't. It's by putting your faith 
in Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. Well, I'll, I'll, <laughs> talking about the faith and the reconciliation, you know, a good while back I said our one motivation, our, our one call is to reconcile people to Christ, right? That's, that's the one thing we should be doing. The, the faith and the reconciliation, I think most people become frustrated and kind of get off-center and start to get disgruntled because they're not doing what God has for them to do. Their work. Because in 33 years, you can watch patterns. Whatever ministry is getting the most attention is what everybody wants to be involved in. Because it's human nature, right? So I think if you find what God has for you, whatever that is, and it's different for each one of us, and some of the most fulfilling things that will happen is you may say to somebody on the street, like this young man here just takes people to lunch and that's the gospel. You know how he's going to continue to be fulfilled? If he continues to do that. Come on. Jim Cimbala, if you know who Jim Cimbala is, yes. Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, you can look up this video. He has a video where this homeless man was at his church. And he said he was sitting back about the fourth or fifth row and he could tell the guy kept making eye contact with him. And he was tired. He had preached three sermons. Is this, is this making sense to anybody? Absolutely. Because I can be quiet and go. Hopefully it's ministering to somebody. And he was tired and ready to go home. He had preached three sermons that morning. And he was sitting on the altar just with his feet dangling. And he finally waved the guy up. And he said, I had already pulled my wallet out. I was getting ready to give the guy some money. And the guy said, I don't want your money. He said, I want the Jesus that you've been talking about. And Jim Simbler said he started crying because he realized he was the one that needed ministry. Because he had forgotten that his sole purpose for standing up here was what Mark's been saying. To reconcile that gentleman to Christ. And when you lose that focus and you lose the path, we all want to hear, well done my good and faithful servant, right? But the only way you're going to hear that is not to want to be Mark with Mark's gifting, not to want to be Gabe with Gabe's gifting, not to want to be the worship leader, not to want to be the apostle, the prophet, is to operate in the ministry, be obedient to what God has told you to do. You'll never have to worry about frustration. You'll never have to worry about discouragement. Amen? <laughs> He's just basically said, find your identity in Christ and stay in the grace for your place. Don't put on somebody else's shoe. Don't be like this, you know, the, the cinder, I call that the Cinderella syndrome. We're all trying to put on somebody else's shoe. You can put on a size eight shoe. Well, you can put on a size eight shoe when, when you have a size 11. You're gonna be very uncomfortable. You're gonna look ridiculous. You're gonna feel stressed out. Ladies, how many of you realise when, when you have a, when you're wearing your high heels, I can only imagine, just making sure I'm making the disclaimer. I can only imagine I didn't try this for myself. Maybe I should to feel your pain. <laughs> that if you are a size six and you're wearing a size four, however you, you said, bless God. Come on, I know how you ladies are. You feel like those shoes, you're gonna make sure your foot fits in there. You know that's true. Even if it means pain for a few hours. I'm trying to say that, like, come on, that shoe wasn't designed for your foot. Put the shoe on that God gave you to put on, amen? All right, well, nobody's looking here really quickly. I just wanna do this and then we're gonna release everybody. Um, for, uh, right now, real quick, every head bowed, every eye closed across this place. I just wanna give people an opportunity to respond to the gospel this morning. Father, we just thank you today, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Father, that your love has been revealed to us in Jesus. Father, I thank You that Your Gospel frees us and liberates us, not to do whatever we want to do, but Father, to serve You, to respond to Your goodness to us. So if you are here today and you, and you might be in this position where you hear this, and, and it might be that from the beginning of this message where I spoke about God has put eternity in our hearts. Maybe you're here and God's eternity in your heart is calling out to you so that when you hear the proclamation, you'll say, yes, include me. I wanna, I wanna be a part of this. 
Maybe you're here and you've never made Jesus your Saviour. You've heard about Him. You might have even gone to a church, but you've never come into a relationship that you said, I want this Jesus myself. I'm talking to you. Maybe you're here, you know, maybe you haven't been serving the Lord the way that you should. And you're feeling the voice of guilt and shame and condemnation. God wants to free you from that and bring a supernatural grace upon your life to be the power of God that helps you walk in complete freedom. That the grace of God that He has given upon us as a gift will begin to go to work like you've never seen it before. Maybe you're here and, and you're, you're, you're afraid. There's a fear which all, you know, there's no fear in God and there's a fear on the inside of you. If anything happened to you, if you had to breathe out your last breath, I don't wanna talk about it, but, but, but if anything, things should happen to you, you don't know where your eternal home is going to be. That's not a fear tactic. It's just the bottom line. You don't have the assurance of your salvation and you want that assurance. Then I'm going to call, I'm going to, while every, nobody's looking around, I'm, all I'm going to have you to do just to say, please acknowledge me in this prayer. On the count of three, while nobody's looking around and you want to be included in the prayer while everybody's gonna pray it together, including you, I just want you to acknowledge that you want me to include you in that. So on the count of three, just go ahead and slip up your hand right now. One, two, three. If you wanna be included in that prayer right now, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. you can, if you put up your hand, uh, just you can go ahead and slip it down. Thank you, Jesus. One, I, I feel like, I feel like there's wrestling going on. Just give me 30 more seconds here. If you're here, just go ahead and put your hand up. I feel like there's one more person fighting here. All I need is just a quick little motion of your hand. That's you acknowledging. God bless you. God bless you. I can tell you, saints of God, this is the most important part of the service right now. Now, for those of you that did put up your hand, I need you especially to pray this with me. But everybody here, let's pray this together. Say this, Father, I thank You today that Your goodness is visiting my heart. Jesus, I believe in You. I believe You are the Son of God. I believe that You died for me at the cross of Calvary. I believe that You rose from the dead on the third day. And I am a child of God. I invite You to come into my heart right now. Take, take, the, take, take Your seat in my heart. I make You my Lord and my Saviour today. In Jesus' Name, thank You, Father, for Your blood that washes me and cleanses me from all guilt and shame. Say, I receive the blood of Jesus that has forgiven me and washed me of all of my sins. I thank You, Lord, that I know I've done things that weren't pleasing to You. And I'm sorry for those things. I thank You, Father, that today I have the assurance of my salvation. Say this, I, I am a child of God. Say this, my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I am a child of God. Thank You, Jesus, for saving me. Thank You, Jesus, for using me. And say this, from this day forward, I will never be the same again. In Jesus' Name. Let's give Jesus a big shout of praise. Um, this is a part of the ministry that we will be seeing much more often because that's what we're called to do, you know to reconcile people with the Father. That's the ministry He's given every one of us. This ministry, the ministry of reconciliation, to reconcile people with Him by sharing the good news about what He's done for them. Amen, that's good news. Praise God. How many of you have been blessed today? Good. All right, well, I'm gonna go ahead and release you guys, but before you do that, just wanna, before we 
uh, end off on the live stream, which by the way, last announcement this coming Wednesday, um, I'm, I'm meeting with the uh, broadcasting studio, with well, the television network. Um, they're going to be giving me a package and I'm going to go through all the details of all of that. That's for the television. Was it K-A, what is it called? K-K-what now? K-A-T-C. Um, and they're going, to want to, they're going to be wanting to put us on television and that we're going to find out what that all takes. Um, but that's something that's come to us. We didn't go ask for it. That's why we're going to walk through the door. And uh, we're very, very excited. Tell somebody about Jesus. And then for those of you watching by way of live stream, thank you for joining us today. And then if you are giving, um, go to www.destinyrevivalministries.com. Click on the Your Support button where you can give safely and securely. If you're here and you're using your smartphones to give, you can text the word GIVE to 337-434-3777. I finally got it down after this long. Uh, 337-434-3777. Text the word GIVE. You can give safely and securely there. If you are here and you are writing out checks to my right, your left, there is a box with envelopes. Uh, just grab an envelope. If you are writing out checks, make them out to DRM or Destiny Revival Ministries. That's it. Give if the Lord leads you and let Him lead you. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. We love you, everybody. Go in the joy of the Lord and go in His peace and goodness. Amen.